Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 28th by Pastor Randy, titled Revival and Purity. All right, so we have been talking about revival for the past couple of weeks, emphasizing that. And as we transition into this Christmas season, we're going to continue talking about that uh, today and maybe next week too. And, and the reason is it's, it's a perfect transition to the Christmas story because the Christmas story talks out talking about revival. When you read in, in Luke chapter 1 with Zechariah and Elizabeth is talking about the birth of John. And it says that, that he's going to come and turn his people back to God. Why did he need to turn the people back to God? Because they had turned away. They needed revival. That's what he was talking about. So we're going to talk about that again today. And we're going to talk about a subject that you don't sometimes hear a lot about in church. But we're going to talk about the one area that has been an obstacle to revival more than any other area. Because we've been looking at things that, that lead toward revival and things that stand in the way of revival. And we're going to talk about that, that area today that stands in the way of revival more than any other. And, and that's purity. That's in the area of just, just sex. And I know people think, well, why do we need to talk about that in church? Well, God talks about a lot for one reason. And we want to talk about what God talks about. But, but God is not embarrassed. He's not ashamed to talk about that. In fact, there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to the romantic relationship between a man and a woman. And, and really, if you get down to it, in our world today, it's not that we talk too little about it, especially like in sex ed at school. It's not that they, that they, they talk too, or they don't talk too much about it. It's just they talk too little about it. Because all they do, like in sex ed at school, say this is it, that's that, put them together and you have sex. But sex is much more beautiful, much more spiritual. It's, it's much more impacting and also much more dangerous if it's used the wrong way than what they talk about in a lot of other places. Let me illustrate it this way. The FAA has a device that they use to test windshields on airplanes. And what that device does, it launches a chicken, a dead chicken, I guess I need to include that part, at the windshield of an airplane, at the approximate speed that an airplane will be flying. The idea was if they launch that chicken in the airplane, that speed of the airplane would be flying, and that windshield holds up okay, then it can withstand a bird strike while it's actually in the air flying. And so Britain was developing a high-speed train a few years ago, and they wanted to test the windshield on their high-speed train. And so they heard about this chicken launcher, so they borrowed one from the FAA. And so they loaded up their chicken, and they launched this ballistic chicken at the windshield of this locomotive, it goes right through the windshield, right through the seat that the conductor would sit in and embedded itself in the wall in the back of the cab of that engine. They're mystified. They're just horrible. You know, what went wrong? What, what happened here? And so they contacted the FAA. They sent them everything that they did so the FAA could, could look at it and analyze, you know, what happened. And the FAA, of course, they do the very thorough investigating everything. And they said, we have one recommendation for you guys. Thaw the chicken. 
Here's the thing. When you mess up in an area, just one area, it can cause a lot of destruction. And you mess up in the area of purity, of sexuality, it causes a lot of destruction. There's some things you just need to have right. There's a few details that everybody needs to know. And one of those details is, is this right here. One of those details is that sex is not just physical. It's not just physical. See, we live in a world that says, hey, if you can avoid the physical consequences of sex, if you can avoid uh, a disease or if you can avoid getting pregnant, fine, no problem at all. But sex is not just physical. There's a spiritual, there's an emotional aspect to it. If sex is just physical, then how come when a child gets molested when they're little and they grow up and they get old enough to connect the dots, that can mess with them their entire life. If it's just physical, then why can't say why can't they just say some old man just touched me a, a weird way when I was little and just go on from that? Because it's not just physical. If sex is just physical, then how come for a woman rape is much worse than getting beat up? If a woman gets beat up, she'll report that. But if she gets raped, she may carry that with her for years and years, and it weighs upon her. If sex is just physical, then then why not? It's getting why, why can't you say just some person just came and beat me up and that's it and go on from there? Because sex is not just physical. Here's what we read in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. It's trying to get us to understand when it comes to the area of sexual immorality, it's different. It's different. It's not just physical. Let me put it this way. You can go through a financial disaster and you can recover from that. You can be in a lot of debt or you can go bankrupt, but then you work hard and you have discipline with your money and you can recover from that in a couple of years. And then you just have a story to tell, maybe something to laugh at later on. You can recover from an educational disaster. You can flunk out of a class or a grade in school, but you can go to summer school. You can take extra credit, and you can come back at some point and, and be back where you should be, and it's just a story to tell, maybe something to laugh at as you get older in life. You can recover from a professional disaster. You can get fired, but then you can get another job, and you can recover from that. But whenever there's disaster that involves sex and sexual immorality to some degree, those are things that nobody laughs about later on in life. Those are some things that sometimes people never recover from or it's very difficult to recover from because it's not just physical. It's not just physical. Tell me this. Who else in our culture and where else in our culture are you going to learn that sex is not just physical, that there's a spiritual, there's a deeply emotional aspect to it, that it's very dangerous. Where else are you going to learn that from? Nowhere else. So we need to talk about this in church and also because you want to talk about the way that our people are away from God more than any other, the, the area where we need to have revival more than any other, this is it. This is it. So we need to be aware of this. See, and this is nothing new. 
This struggle has been going on for centuries. Samson, to some degree, was a sex addict. Solomon was certainly enough a sex addict. But the thing is, today, with the rise of the Internet, it's increased exponentially. Because now, you don't have to do what they said in Proverbs would do. And Proverbs talks about you go down this certain part of the neighborhood and there's a woman there and she lures you to her house. It looks like a house of pleasure, but actually it's a house of destruction. You don't have to go do all that. It's right there with you all the time. The woman's just sitting there right there with you in your home, in your pocket, on your computer screen. It's just all right there. So, so there's instant accessibility to lead us away. 25% of all searches on the internet are for porn. It's the silent killer in our churches. Men who lead our Bible studies, men who are leading in our churches, they're drowning in this. It's, it's everywhere. Nobody wants to say, oh, this is my struggle. They don't want anybody to know. You remember a few years ago, the, the Me Too culture was real big, and I guess it still is to some degree today, where all the women were talking about how they experienced sexual harassment to one degree or another, and they, they're tired of it. They want to do something about it. See, everybody was willing to talk about sexual harassment, even in our convention as a church, our, our Baptist convention. They're, they're talking about this stuff and still today, but nobody wants to talk about what's behind it. And that's how porn has completely changed the way that men view women. See, it's different for a guy than it is a woman. If a woman sees a picture of an attractive guy, that just goes to the front of her brain, an attractive guy, there's an attractive guy, and it just sort of stays there. It doesn't really cause much harm or do anything else. But when a man sees a picture of an attractive woman, especially a sexually-based uh, picture, that doesn't go to the front of his brain. It goes to the back of his brain. It's the same part of the brain that, that gets fired up when you're starving to death and you go into a room that has a big buffet laid out in it. It's, I got to have, I got to have, I got to consume, got to have this. It's just a, it's a primal instinctive thing that goes off inside a man's brain. The, the closest way I know to describe it is this. There's times when I've, many times when I've gone through an extended period of fasting. And so I know what to expect when I come out of extended period of fasting. But a couple years ago, I'd been fasting for a long time and I came out of that fasting and it's like my stomach didn't have an off switch. I could just eat and eat and eat. I had to tell myself, okay, I just need to stop eating. It's like I had no off switch where my stomach was concerned. And this went on for several days. I'm going, this is crazy. I can just eat and eat and eat. And that's what happens when a, a, a man begins getting these, these, these pictures uh, in, his, in his brain, these images in his brain. There's no off switch. just has to have more, 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 more. Can't stop. And how many times you see in our culture today men who are being sued or fired because of sexual harassment? It may happen to some women, but I don't ever hear about it. The reason why, because 
uh, of that, the, the, just the way a, a man's brain is wired, the way it works. Now, listen, that's not an excuse for a guy. You're still responsible for what you see and what you do with those images. That's not letting you off the hook. I'm just letting you know that that works differently. And the reason it works differently, the reason God created a man like that is because the only image he's supposed to see is his wife. That's meant to bond that man to his wife. And right now, we live in a culture where we consume secondhand sex all day long through commercials, through TV, through advertisements. But the only, the only image that a man is supposed to see, in a se- the only sexual image a man is supposed to see is that of his wife. So it's supposed to bond him to her. And here's the thing that happens. It changes your neural pathways. Your pattern of thinking that you have, the way your brain processes things, uh, you, you get those images that porn gives you and it changes your neural pathways. Think of it like this. You're going through a jungle and you got your machete and you're chopping, chopping, chopping and you, you get through this one section of the jungle and you look back, it's even hard to tell you've even made a path or anything so you go back through again and you're chopping some more and finally you have a little path and after some time of going back and forth that path turns into a trail then that trail turns into a four-wheeler trail after a couple of months or a couple of years of use then it becomes a road a little dirt road that you can drive down and then maybe years later it becomes a highway That's the way your brain works. You have these neural pathways and you start off thinking this way and it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger in you. But when a man views porn, it goes from a a, just a a one, you know, maybe a little path that you kind of see, kind of see to an eight lane highway in his brain just like that. Within a couple of days, within a man's brain, it's like there's no off switch. Got to have, got to have, got to have. It just consumes him. It changes the neural pathways. The second thing is there's a decreased satisfaction with your spouse. There's a, there's a decrease in the sexual satisfaction, sexual desire for, man's, for his wife. In other words, if you want to have a good sex life with your wife, you can't do that and have porn be a part of your life also. Is, is that simple enough the way to describe that? Next, there's a decrease in the value of faithfulness. Unfaithfulness is the norm. Everybody wants, wants sex with no, with no attachments whatsoever. The third thing, sex outside of marriage always makes life more complicated. Always makes it more complicated. You'll never see a man and his wife sit down and talk together and say, boy, we're sure glad that we had all those sexual experiences before we were married. That's just made our marriage so much better. We just love sitting around talking with each other uh, 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 about our sexual experiences. I mean, we just enjoy that so much. No. You're never going, it's, it's never going to happen like that. You're never going to sit around and say, boy, we're just so proud of that. The next thing to understand is Satan wants to train you for divorce. That's what this does in our culture. You watch the shows, I don't know, Desperate Half-Wives or Grey's Anatomy, I don't know, just, just shows like that, and, and all they're doing is training you for divorce. 
Because you have a couple that move in together and he has his drawer and she has her drawer and then they, they get in an argument that they have some difficulties in their relationship and they separate. And it's just like a divorce. It's just like getting married and just like having a divorce. I can't tell you how many times that I've either dealt with personally or, or heard about, especially women who've moved in with some guy and things go, go wonkers, go crazy in their relationship and, and then they, they move out and they're so devastated, just like a divorce. You know, I think you, back in the days where if they were your boyfriend and, and you certainly broke up, you weren't that shook up back then. But what's happened is that you've moved in together and, and it's just like you're married and you're training for a divorce. That, that's what our culture does. See, the world sees sex as an isolated event in a short-term relationship. The idea that you can go from relationship to relationship to relationship and, and live happily ever after, that's not the real world. To think that you can go from bed to bed to bed to bed and then get married and have a, a close, intimate, fulfilling marriage, you're crazy if you think that. To think that, that great sex before marriage leads to great sex after marriage, it doesn't work that way in the real world. I mean, they've done all the studies, they've done all the tests. It's less satisfying. Not only that, you take a couple that lives together and then they get married. Because they have lived together, they have just cut their chances of marriage happening or lasting in half again. It's already bad enough to begin with, but now there's a 75% chance it's not going to last. All these consequences. So, those are the physical consequences of not following. God's ideal of sex and, and, and having it within, within what he has made us to have it, how he's done what Christina was talking about. God promises to give us good things. We just need to do it along his timetable in his way. So what's God's way? We looked at some of the physical consequences whenever you take sex outside of marriage Again, sex is just for married people, okay, if that wasn't clear before, but it's for married people. When you take sex outside of that, we looked at the consequences. Now, let's look at what the, what the Bible says, the spiritual consequences. We looked at physical consequences, let's look at the spiritual consequences, okay? First one is this. First Thessalonians is 4.3. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality. So what's God's will? It's you abstain. You want to know what God wants you to do? You want to know what his will is in your life? You stay away from all sex outside of marriage. That's it, period. Don't tell me that you're living with somebody and God's giving you a peace about it. God didn't give you a peace about it. Okay? Second thing. The next verse, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. What do we get from that? Everybody's body deserves to be treated with honor and respect. You all have those things in your house where it's don't touch. That's precious. Be careful with that. Be, treat that, treat that with, with respect and honor. You all have those little things in your house that are really precious to you. From God's perspective, that's your body. And if you treat your body... Well, what happens when, you, when you're involved with, with sex outside of marriage? You're treating, you're just chipping away at the respect that your body deserves. 
And that's why people who have been sexually molested, they have so much trouble feeling valuable because they have made to, felt, made to feel valueless. Because it's taken that honor and respect that they should have for their body and it's just thrown it away. Somebody else has trampled that. The next verse, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who don't know God. If you, uh, the thing here is, is stop living like you did before you became a Christian. You go to people who have been involved in, in either porns taking over their life or some sort of sexual immorality and, and you think to them, didn't you think before you got involved with this, there goes my marriage? Didn't you think before you got involved with this, you know, there goes my integrity? And you know what they say? No. You know why? Because long before they got involved, the mind was gone and all that was left was the passions of the body. Can't stop, can't stop. Got to have it, got to have it. That neuropathy, that mindset was just taking over their lives. Like, like the Gentile, just, just the passion of the body was leading them. And next, this means one must not transgress against or take advantage of a brother or sister in this matter. Okay, let's, let's stop at that part of this verse right there. What he's saying there is that we're all responsible for helping each other. Okay, let's go back to the verse. That, that you must not transgress against or take advantage of a brother or sister in this matter. What he's saying is that uh, the, the King James word was defraud. And, and all it means is, is you don't pull people away from God. You're supposed to push other people toward God. Now, you women can take a lesson from this verse in the way that you dress. Because if it's wrong to give drink to a drunkard, it's also wrong to dress in such a way that you cause a man to want to lust after you, that you cause a man's attention to, to go to your body and to dwell upon that. And this is something that, that's a continual frustration. I've just given up on trying to explain this to teenagers, uh, teenage girls. They don't get it at all, so I've just given up. I mean, there's no way. A lot of women don't get it. But I'll tell you who does get it. Are those teenage girls, the father gets it. He knows. He knows. Okay? Now, in case you think Paul is someone or is writing to someone who's never had a date in his life or something like that, he's fixing to give us three big reasons on why you need to understand that sex is not just physical and that sex is for married people. Three big reasons. Okay, let's go back. Uh, let, let's, let's go back to this verse again, the second half of this verse. He says, the second half, because the Lord is the, an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. Okay, so what do we get from here? Because of God's vengeance. See, your body was created by God in his image. And when you become a Christian, you have been bought with a price. That's his body. It upsets him when we treat our bodies or somebody else treats our bodies with that lack of respect and honor that it deserves. Think of it this way. How many of you guys in here, you, you, had, you have little girls? Okay. One, few. Okay. Some of you just give me a nod. Okay, that's fine. No, you're not going to raise your hand no matter what. That's good. I got that. All right. Suppose, let, let, let's, for some of you, you have to think back, and, and others of you, I know your girls are smaller, and you, maybe I think four, but suppose you had your girls like two years old. 
and some guy comes along right in front of you and takes your little two-year-old girl and backhands her and sends her flying across the room. How are you going to react to that? Somebody's going to the hospital, right? Somebody maybe even going to the morgue after that. Who knows? But it's not going to be pretty, whatever turns out. It's going to get, it's going to get bad. See, from God's perspective, that's what happens when, when we so dishonor and disrespect our bodies or somebody else's. It's his vengeance. It makes him angry just like that. Because this is something that he created in his image. This is something that he bought with a price on the cross. Our bodies. This is a temple of his Holy Spirit. And you want to treat it like that? You want to fill it full of porn? You want to fill it full of sexual immorality? He's angry. And here's the second thing. Right after that, it says, For God's not caused to impurity, but to live in holiness. We started this in 1 Thessalonians. We said, For your sanctification, that's holiness, means to be set apart. Because God has a different purpose for you, for every one of us in here. That's our holiness. That, that were meant to be used by him and him alone. And, and I've talked about this before, but, but uh, I think it's a great way to put it. You come over to my house and you sit in my chair on that love seat where I sit. That's my chair. That's my place. But you sit there. That's okay. You can sit there. It's low level of holiness. I don't care. I'll sit somewhere else. You spill gravy all over your shirt. And you need another shirt. I'll go get you one of my shirts. You can wear one of my shirts. Low level of holiness, that's okay. But then you come to me and say, Randy, can I borrow your toothbrush to brush my teeth? No, you crossed the line then. That, that's high level of holiness. And from God's perspective, that's your body. It's to be treated with holiness. You're to be set apart. That's his purpose. So not only is he upset, but, but, but because you've taken something created in his image, but also you've taken something that he created for a certain purpose and you've misused it for another purpose. And, and, and because of the purpose of God, the, the, the next thing here, the next verse, consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So why should we really take this seriously? Because of God's Spirit. Let, let, me, let me use another verse to explain this verse, okay? Another couple of verses. Because a lot of times, the Bible is a good commentary on the Bible. It just may seem weird, but, but it works out that way. So in Ephesians 5, verse 3, But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard among you as is proper for the saints. So the word sexual immorality, that's the Greek word pornea, where we get our word pornography from. And what that means, it means incest, it means rape, it means adultery, it means porn. It just means any sex outside of marriage, okay? And he says, anything like that should not even be heard of among you. I like what the NIV puts. It says, shouldn't even be a hint of it. You know what that means? It means you don't watch that movie that has just a little bit of nudity in it and think it's okay. No, not even a hint Because that's improper. For who? For God's holy people. Not, not even a, a hint of it. 
Parents, that means you don't allow your kids to watch the MTVs and the other shows that, that, or, or read the magazine articles with 40 ways to drive your boyfriend crazy in bed or, or, or anything like that. You don't let them do that. You don't give them unaccountable computer time. And I know what they're going to say. You don't trust me? And you say, no, I don't. Or if, that, if you can't get those words out, say, Randy told me not to trust you. Okay, you just don't do it. But let's continue on. That's, that's not the main point I'm getting to. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks for know and recognize this. So here's his reason. Every sexual, immoral, or impure, or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So you know why in 1 Thessalonians 4 he says this is rejecting God? Because at the root of sexual immorality is idolatry. You're worshiping a pleasure. You're worshiping a feeling. That's why, that's why you're rejecting God. So he goes on to say, And let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming of the disobedient because of these things. See, at the root of sexual sin is idolatry. Let that sink in, which is idolatry. Whenever you're thinking of sexual immorality, whenever you think of porn, you need to let that sink in. This is idolatry. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says this is rejecting God because it's idolatry. It's not nothing you want to play with. But we won't be all negative today. Let's get to some solutions. Okay? Number one, understand that Jesus is not afraid to talk about your addiction. Going back to how I started the message, the whole reason Jesus came, he, he says it several times at the beginning of his ministry, is to set captives free. You know what that means? That means there's people who are held captive and they don't know how to get free. They can't do it themselves. They can't see any hope. But the good news is Jesus brings that hope of being set free. That's what starts the Christmas message. See, and this is why I think, you know, something that seems so out of place is so perfectly placed because you're celebrating Christmas, you're celebrating the beginning of people being set free. That's what we need more than anything else. The second thing, Proverbs 28, 13. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. See, Sin finds its strength in the darkness where nobody else knows. And so many people, they think, so many guys, they think, man, I hope nobody ever finds out. Don't want anybody to find out. When really the worst thing that can happen is if you go through your whole life and nobody finds out and you go to your grave just being a fraud your whole life. Just living this your whole life. Here's what Hebrews 4.13 says, No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees it all. And you may think nobody else sees it, but God sees it. And, and what you need to to, to understand is that when you drag it into the light, sexual sin loses so much of its power. But here, 
what guys tend to do here, just a little caution, is, is when they want to drag to light, they, they want to test the waters a little bit. So they'll just say, yeah, you know, one time 10 years ago, you know, or that was it. And, and really, man, it's got their life, but they don't want to say that. I can tell you because I sit with the guys a lot of times, and they'll start telling me, and, 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 and every once in a while they'll say, man, some, some dark stuff, some awful stuff, but they don't want to go into any detail. Well, I don't want to hear the detail, but I, that, that, that's, they, they don't want to say how bad it really was or is. So the second thing that brings us hope is drag it out into the light. The third thing, Matthew 5, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin. So it's the same subject. He's talking about looking at a woman. Then gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into hell. So there you have your solution, guys. Just take a spoon and cut that eye out, right? No, because you can still sin with one eye. But what is he saying here? He's saying... It's what I always tell guys. you got to be much more drastic than you think. Get rid of the computer. Get rid of the TV. Go to a phone that you can just talk and text on, period. You always have to be more drastic than you think. There's a story a couple years ago in Utah. You might remember this guy named Aaron Ralston. He was hiking, and this 1,000-pound boulder fell on his hand. And so he can't move. He's in a little canyon. And apparently nobody was, came looking, looking in the right area for him because five days had gone by, and now he's out of water after five days. So if y'all remember the story, he, he took and made a tourniquet and put it around his arm, and then he broke the bone in his arm, and then he took his pocket knife out, and he, he cut the muscles everything out and just, basically cut off his hand, so then he made his way back to his truck and went for help. If a guy is willing to do that, to live on this earth for a few more years, then shouldn't you be willing to take some drastic measures that's going to affect all your eternity? You should. Now, the third solution. The answer to escape from sexual temptation is a person, not just behavior modifications. Listen, put that stone in the ground and mark this day, you know. Uh, have that accountability with other people. Get rid of that stuff. Do all those physical things. But don't forget the spiritual side. It's all wrapped up in a person. It's all wrapped up in, in your connection to Jesus. Here's the way Scripture puts it. It says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Be connected to Jesus. That's what it means. When you get connected to Him, when, when He's your desire, He's your life. That's that part of it that's going to help you rewire those neural pathways and start getting on a different road. So, what do you want your story to be this Christmas? Man, a few years ago, I got hooked on porn or I got involved in immorality and, and, and now it's just taking over my life, my mind, and, and I just can't seem to find my way out. 
do you want to be able to say, but, but this Christmas, everything's changed. Because now, not have only have I taken that, that which was secret and brought it out to the open, not only do I have that accountability, not only have I, have I done other things with, with that, not only have I gotten rid of the stuff I need to get rid of, but I started a relationship with God I never thought it could be so great. That's what Christmas, the beginning of Christmas story is all about, being set free. Taking people who were away from God and bring them back to God. Scott's looking at starting some uh, accountability groups among men. This would be a good time for you to go up to Scott and say, hey, you know, I want to be a part of that. You know, let's, let's uh, help me get into a, a, another group with that. You don't want to spend Christmas being a captive in this area where so many of people in our culture are captives too. So you see that news that's going to happen every week. Some other guy found out, you know, he's been sexually harassing or sexually molested or, or did things like that. Now, he's getting fired or, or, or he's getting sued. I mean, those, those things come out every day. Why? Because that's our culture. It can change. And it can change when we fill ourselves with the hope of Christmas, that Jesus came to set the captives free to lead us who were away from God back to God, or in our language we've been going through the last couple of weeks, to experience revival. It can happen. But that's up to you. So we'll have a time of invitation. And maybe some of you just need to come and kneel and pray. Maybe it's time that, that, that you take a step. Maybe it's time you take a step and go to somebody and say, you know, I just, I just need to take some time so we can talk to you about what's going on in my life. But don't make this another Christmas where it's all kept a secret, where it's all pretend everything's okay, because it's not okay. It's not okay. The sexual relationship is very precious, very meaningful, very powerful, very ordained, very created by our God. And we should treat it like that. That we should. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.